0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast. We are New Horizons Christian Fellowship from Starkville, Mississippi. We are about kingdom family, reaching up to the Father, reaching in to each other, and reaching out to the world. We hope you will be strengthened and encouraged by the message. I have a really difficult time with Mike. There you go. (laughs) I get really paranoid when I have a microphone on. I was telling Pete back there that I would not participate in worship today. Just And I went in the bathroom and Chuck was there. I was like, oh my gosh, what if the microphone's on? So that's why it never works. Even at my home church, I just, well, I think that they might turn me off for a reason. But uh, at any rate, uh, it's always so good uh, to re- return home to New Horizons. Um, Still, my favorite thing about this church is coming home and not knowing anyone here. Um, and, I, and I mean that. I mean that, you know, by that, um, the joy to see a church grow is to come home and be like, well, I know that person, but I don't know this side of the church or that side. of." The, I really don't know that. Well, Yes, I do. Some, some of you I know. But um, to see the church running towards, uh, towards Christ and what His will is for your life, that is, a, is just such a joy. For me to come home and see that and to remember all the fond memories that i had um, and all the people and all the hugs and um, laughter um, but april and i are doing well april's not here today uh, she had to work on friday so you know, someone has to pay the bills at the house so i sent her back home to work um, so <laughs> if this is being recorded thank you um, she just ran the new york city marathon and uh, I pressed my clothes today, so <laughs> we're all really doing great things, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, you know, please remember us in your prayers. Uh, I'd, uh, by God's grace, I just got called to serve as the children's pastor uh, at our church in Loosdale, First Baptist Church in Loosdale. Uh, we're very excited. It's a new ministry, uh, so we're starting from the ground up, so we're, uh, we could Uh, We covet your prayers, and we hope that you'll pray for us. Um, Furthermore, as as, uh, Johnny said, I'm almost done with seminary. I've been pursuing my MDiv since 2017 at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, It's been such an awesome time uh, studying uh, God's Word for all the richness that um, it does contain. Um, And as always, every time I get up here, this is the third time I, I preach here, I like to honor people and Uh, My good friend C, he just keeps showing up. I mean, he keeps showing up every time I preach. I text him at 10.30 and he's like, I was asleep, but I'm here. And I just want to, I'm sorry for calling you out every time, but uh, if you're here and you're new and you're visiting, uh, plug in because things like that happen. Um, You get to meet people. You get to, I mean, I can look at all the people that I fellowshiped with and I could uh, really talk about that for all afternoon. Um, so if you're here and you're visiting and you've been coming a couple times, even though I'm not here, uh, I would just encourage you to dig in because uh, that's where you really get to experience um, a lot of the greatness and the goodness of the Lord. But even though we prayed, I would, I would love to pray again, uh, so join me. Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for today. Uh, thank you that you brought us here. Thank you that you've given us your word. Um, and thank you for this country, Lord, where we can sit here um, in safety and comfort and to seek you and to worship you. Uh, even when things don't go right, Lord, we can worship you. And I just pray, Lord, that you would use me uh, for your your glory and your will and not mine. And that your words would trump mine um, and that your glory would far surpass any good thing that I do today. Uh, Lord, so we just open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to what you might have to say. In your name, we pray. Amen. That looks great. <laughs> so, side note: they do not teach you how to format PowerPoints in seminary, and every time I've preached, it has not worked. So I'm just I'm so excited that it looks like that. <laughs> I know you might be thinking, "Why did he even say that?" But oh, that's great. Thank you, Trace. Um, so today in Second Samuel. Uh, and you might ask, Second Samuel, what's that? You know, is that a book in the Bible? Yes, it is. Um, you know, I'm not sure uh, before I, I felt this message laid on my heart that I knew why God would have me study 2 Samuel. I, of course, it's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's valuable. It's God's Word to us. Uh, but I had to bridge the gap in my study of why Second Samuel is important. So I hope to do that for you as well. So you can take... That the entire Bible is about Christ, and I think we all know that. Um, and as Stephen Lawson eloquently stated, the Old Testament tells us that he's coming, and the Gospels tell us that he's here, and the Acts proclaim him, the Epistles explain him, and then Revolu- Revelation tells us he's coming again. So you have to understand that the Old Testament is so large, in my opinion, because such a large Redemption took a lot of time to bring, to bring to pass. A lot had to happen from Genesis 3. You know, in children's ministry, sometimes people ask, or kids ask like, the most profound questions. And they're like, why, why is the Bible so long? Why couldn't Jesus come in Genesis 4? Why couldn't it be Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and Matthew 1? And you're like, wow, seminary really does not, really does not help you with that. Um and so I took a lot, of, uh, a lot of comfort in realizing that God's plan, although great and perfect, took some time uh, to bring to pass. It took some people. It took some nations. It took some kingdoms. Um, and it, and it, it took a lot of the king of David, uh, the king David. And so 1 Samuel, since we're in 2 Samuel, I'll try to catch you up. 1 Samuel tells us the hard story of a king uh, after man's own heart and not God's own heart. And so there we have Saul. And so in 2 Samuel, we see David anointed in chapter 5. And so we're in chapter 6 today, and David is determined to do the will of his father. Uh, He was determined to raise the standard of Jerusalem, if you will, of the Israelites, of the Levites. He was determined out of Saul's darkness to be a man after God's own heart. So I'm going to read the passage to you, um, and if Tracy, if you'll just kind of follow along with me, I would appreciate that. So, 2 Samuel chapter 6, 1 through verse 8, and hopefully it's readable on the screen. And it states David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the Ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. Or Perez Uzzah can mean outbreak against Uzzah. And so to kind of understand or set the stage even a little bit more, uh, you need to know a little bit more about Abinadab, Uzzah, and Ohio. um, Which if I say Ohio, I'm sorry. Um, After the ark was recaptured by the Philistines, you'll remember that the Israelites suffered a great defeat at the hand of the Philistines. They took the ark, uh, they did what they wanted with it, and they suffered some plagues of mice and tumors and some bad things happened. And they said, okay, we don't want this anymore, (laughs) rightfully so. And so they got it back from the Israelites and they left it at the house of Abinadab. I don't know why, I don't know what Abinadab had to do with that, but they just left it there for 20-plus years. And the Philistines were the one, if you, if you see in the verse, it was on a new cart. The Philistines were the ones um, who put it on a cart. Remember, in Numbers, uh, in Exodus, in Deuteronomy, there's a very clear way that the ark was supposed to be carried with the poles through the rings on the shoulders of the men. Well, they were not given the law of God, and God allowed them to carry it in a different way. Um, but here you have Uzza and Ohio enter in the story. Uh, now, these boys would have been born many years after the ark had been placed in their home. And so it's important to kind of t- start to grasp all this because you're, you're, you want to think, well, how could Uzza and Ohio, and specifically Uzza, make such an incredible mistake? So they were there. Uh, they were used to it. It was, if you will, I don't know, I used to play guitar here, and I routinely uh, bumped my head on these light bulbs <laughs> is it because i'm tall yes probably but i was used to it being there and i just didn't even see it anymore so uzza in ohio with the great presence and glorious ark of the lord they were used to it they lacked reverence for it um and they and you know they used that as an excuse uh they didn't see the sacred association or the former history of all of israel in that ark uh they were blinded by the routine presence of the ark um Now, taking it back to New Orleans, if you will, uh, where I am in seminary, it's a great place. It's uh, a crazy place. Uh, (laughs) uh, The seminary is located in a very uh, interesting part of town where a lot of ministry is uh, available to be done. But everyone is a Saints fan, and I I literally mean everyone. You know, they wear Saints jerseys on game days to chapel, and I'm just... Too much for me you know i'm not against the saints i'm not for the saints um but i'm sure a few of us remember last year the whole no call situation okay you remember it's the playoff game saints are tied with the los angeles rams in new orleans fourth quarter two minutes left 2020 Tied score. drew breeze checks in the pocket just like i would in high school goes to throw it to tommy lee lewis these are not made up names <laughs> these are the real players <laughs> And then, um, Mick or Nick Roby Coleman absolutely obliterates the guy. As I mean, I'm sure some of you have seen it. Just ball goes here, he goes there. There are a thousand referees around, no call, right? No call. And instantly, insanity ensues. The you know Sean Payton is going crazy. The refs are going crazy. New Orleans thinks it's the apocalypse. This is the end of the world. But. Uh, and there's still a, and and to my surprise, I didn't know. Uh, since April is an attorney, she told me a local attorney sued the NFL yes. over the call. <laughs> sued them. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> over up, you know, I we were playing Besse, Bessemer Academy in my junior jamboree, and we were up, and uh, the quarterback was scrambling for a touchdown to give us the go ahead win, and I blocked a guy in the back, <laughs> and they didn't call it. I didn't have to go to court for that, (laughs) and I'm thankful. But I didn't know you could do that. And they made Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, and three officials testify in court because of the no call. All right? Okay, so that's that's insane, right? They wanted revenge. They wanted a replayed game. Um, They would not accept that an individual made a very costly mistake when the stakes were incredibly high. Um, the Rams, of course, went on to say, you know, call, call didn't matter. We would have won the game anyways. We would have gone to the Super Bowl anyways. But it doesn't matter, though. You know, how does one person do his or her job, especially on that level, and, and fail to do it well? Or to say that it doesn't matter because I was sincere, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean for that outcome to, you know, I'm sure these referees are now uh, infamous, and I, I don't even know if they still have their jobs. Uh, but surely they didn't mean to. And, you know, that brings me to the question that I want to ask multiple times today, and that is, what does God have to say about the attitude that says it doesn't matter how one worships God or what you do as long as it's sincere? So for another uh, illustration, the United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission, or the USNRNC for short uh, sets the standards for how you transport nuclear material and radioactive waste. Important job, right? Kind of important. Uh, you know, there are three, I looked it up online, there are three specific guidebooks for transporting radioactive waste. Again, that comforts me, because, you know, I don't want Homer Simpson to drive by my neighborhood and just accidentally spill a bunch of radioactive waste in my yard. And, you know, ruin my finely combed yard, or actually, you know, I might even get sick. I'd be pretty upset about that, right? I would be pretty upset. Um, And you see in verse 3 and 4, which I'll read to you again real quick, and they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadad, which was on the hill in Uzzah and Ohio. The sons of Abinadad were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ohio went before the ark. And so... I tried to explain it um, decently well that in this situation half obedience is actually full-on disobedience. You know, in this situation Uzzah is carrying the cart with Ohio on a new cart, right? They assume that a thing of such high standards should not be uh, placed, not they as in Uzzah and Ohio, the Israelites, it shouldn't be placed on a cart that's that's used to carry around whatever, but... As in Ohio, um, did not do that. They failed to comply with the guidelines, and it, it raises a point that sincerity doesn't always equate to correctly, and that our way is not the best way. Um, but it brings back to the main question: you know, what what does God have to say about worship? Uh, so long as it's sincere, you know, being. Startful people, um, as you all are, uh, you're probably well aware that Mississippi State just won its 46th Egg Bowl. Sorry, HC, my brother-in-law, old Miss graduate. Uh, and any other Ole Miss graduates, my bad. Um, yeah, 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 I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I love him. Uh, you might have also noted, my mom told me, that the trophy went on a hashtag golden egg tour right cool it went on eight consecutive days it stopped in 14 places across the state of Mississippi very important very interesting Um, you know people celebrated in each town it came to Loosedale I didn't take a day off work but it came to Loosedale Uh, people were taking selfies touching the trophy maybe even kissing the trophy Um, not too big of a deal there right it's just a trophy it's just the egg bowl Um, But, you know, what if for a second, imagine, just for a second, uh, the trophy stopped as it did in the Capitol, Jackson, and uh, President Trump just so happened to be there campaigning for, you know, getting ready for his next campaign. He's there. He sees a golden egg. He's like, I'm going to go check this out. So he goes and he poses by it, and then some trophy attendant spills a gallon of that delicious MSU ice cream all over his presidential suit. Right? That would probably... The celebration would stop there. You know, people would be like, oh my gosh, you spilled ice cream on President Trump. That's going to be a hashtag in itself. That would ruin the celebration. The poor kid might get fired. You know, they might do away with the trophy, it might be doomed. Um, But, you know, even on this side of heaven, in a way, our best intentions are still tainted uh, with sin. And so you see in a silly illustration like that um, that there's more to it than what meets the eye when you're dealing with the things of the Lord. And if you see in verse 5 and 6, which I'll read to you, and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, just like we would celebrate with the, the egg bowl trophy, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. They're excited. The ark is returning to Jerusalem, the capital, it's a big deal. Thirty thousand plus people are there. It's a very big deal. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Nacon Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And you know, it doesn't really matter how grand of a worship service you're having. When someone dies, it's just over. You know, the worship service is over. Hannah's not going to pick the guitar back up and be like, okay, you know, guys, that was interesting. Let's continue on. Let's uh, just move him to the side. Um, That's probably not appropriate to say, sorry. Uh, But, you know, we, in in the case of this text, you know, we still, and, and certainly myself in seminary and all these things, certainly myself, we fail to see just how holy God is compared to us. Um, it was a silly illustration, but obviously Trump is more important than ice cream. Um, and we must see the principle that the very presence of God in that ark was holy. And that you know, Uzzah made the mistake of assuming that his hand was less sinful than the ground. And so he reached out and he tried to top. Stop it you know good intentions I probably would have done that I assume some of you probably would have done that his heart was in the right place he had in good intentions he loved the Lord he loved Israel he loved the ark he loved David um, but it was not the best way to do that and it was not what God had commanded him to do um, and you know in that situation it's very common for believers and I'm not accusing you I'm, I'm, I'm I'm accusing um, a lot of the common things that are said when we see God's judgment on earth. Uh, You know, we say, well, God is a God of love. And that is true. It's very true. Uh, But on some level, we understand that love requires boundaries. And for instance, you know, being in in children's ministry, uh, I've never done this before. Um an unrepented unrepentant active sexual predator came to my church where I lead the ministry and wanted to be involved and, invol- and volunteer in the children's ministry. You know, would it be loving for me to allow him to do that? No, surely not, and none of you think that. I know that. But even, And even if he became repentant and reformed and saved and his life turned around and he worked through a system, there would still be boundaries. All right? And so we, the lack of understanding for the wickedness of our sinfulness, which is something we don't like to say in church. We don't like to say wicked and sinful and then point it at ourselves. But it's true compared to God. It's true. And when we fail to see that, we, we cannot grasp how righteous God is. And we cannot grasp how righteous His judgment is. Um, and Scripture repeatedly tells us the punishment that God gives to sinner is, is, sinners is not more severe than the crime. It is not more severe than the crime. Um, and again, it just proves that our way is not the best way. And you know, verse 7, um, which is the verse where Uzzah reaches out and he's struck down, uh, it often elicits complication and understanding and rightfully so that's a complicated verse to read and and to see a man of god do something and die because of it Um, you know we don't we don't like that because that could very easily be us in any situation Um, but you know hang in with me please because at the beginning i hope you remember i said the bible points to christ and so this story too points to Christ. It seems like a sudden and very severe judgment, but ultimately it does. It does point to the redemption of Christ. Um, You know, before I left here, before I left Starkville, I now live in Loosedale. I think I said that. Um, I worked for a medical sales company, and I worked in the OR every day um, a lot uh, with orthopedic uh, surgeons, and so I sold implants, devices, um, equipment. Everything uh, bloodborne, you know, and you know everything, um, and so sometimes in surgery, uh, the surgeon would ask for a recommendation on the technical part of the product installation, if that makes sense, he might say, if i 'm drilling at this angle on the knee, is that the right angle, or should I deviate fifteen degrees and that 's where I met C by the way, <laughs> we worked in the same. Field and uh, I would need to know what I was talking about for the sake of the patient. I wouldn't just need to be like, yeah, you know, just shoot for the gap. <laughs> <laughs> it will be okay. Or if someone you'd be like, does that look okay? I've seen better. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> that's <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> gracious. Is the Lord because I never was in a situation where that was actually the outcome. Um, but say it was, say it was, say I said something, patient suffered, uh, they had a, a, a negative outcome, right? They find out about it, they find out that maybe something was implanted incorrectly. Who are they gonna hold accountable? Now, even though my name is on the chart and they could go and find it, it's technically, from a legal standpoint, not my fault right? Even if the surgeon asked me, it would be the surgeon's fault, because in the operating room, the surgeon is the top, and everything and everyone is under his or her control in that moment. It's very important that you understand that. (laughs) Surgeon is in control, not me. I'm retired from that business now. Uh, But ultimately, that would be the case. The patient would, you know, maybe sue the surgeon or or come back to the surgeon i want a revision Uh, they wouldn't come find me and be like hey i don't like what you did in there and so in verse 8 you see a very interesting thing and it says and david was angry because the lord had broken out against Uzzah." well david is mad why is david mad he didn't die well but he's responsible And he is the leader, and he is the leader of God's people, not Uzzah. And David's name is mentioned far more times in that passage, verses 1 through 8, than Uzzah. God chose him to lead, not Uzzah. But they both sinned. David allowed the cart to be carried the way it was, which is without excuse, because he would have been a chosen person of God, which means he would have known the law very well. Um. He would have known the law personally and intimately it would have been implanted on his heart you know god held david accountable god held Uzzah accountable god holds me accountable and god holds you accountable but thankfully god also held his son christ jesus accountable for us you know in big biblical terms Faith is believing God's promises. And this is the second time I've preached today. I don't know if you guys know this. I met with the elders of the church, and I i guess I preached it then. I didn't even mean to. And Johnny was like, how are you doing? I was like, man, let me tell you about this sermon. And I just laid it on him. Uh, but in biblical terms, faith is believing God's promises. Not just His Word, not just what the Word says. That too, yes, but His promises. And just like... Um, William Shirt, I don't know if you saw it today, it said, his pro- it said yes and amen. And it points to all his promises are yes and amen. But his promise is that, just as we see in Philippians 1, chapters, uh, verse 6, is that well he will bring to completion his good purposes for the whole creation. And that's what the Bible is about. You know, Christ has made it possible. And if you believe that God is utterly committed to bringing everything, including your life and including my life, to the fulfillment of his good purpose, well, that changes everything. Yes. And you may be thinking, well, what does that have to do with Uzzah? Or what does that have to do with David? And as just as God's love and judgment can be perfectly intertwined, so too is his promises and his purposes for us. Those are inseparable. His heavenly standards are far beyond ours. And his standards don't correspond to our standards, but our standards correspond to his. And that is precisely where David and Uzzah failed that day. Uzzah reached out because he thought, like I said earlier, his hand was less dirty or less sinful than the earth. But in the Bible, you never hear of the earth blaspheming or rejecting the Lord. Just as Trace's Song reminds us of the scripture, even the rocks will cry out. To God. You never hear of the earth rejecting God, but you hear of many stories where men reject God. And so Uzzah assumed, can't be, you know, the dirt is dirty, it's bad, it's sinful, it can't touch. Well, he was more sinful. And David was mad at God for killing Uzzah. Wrong standard. God's righteousness is thankfully not up for discussion. You know, when I was studying this passage, uh, You know, words like righteousness and wickedness and and awesome Baptist terms that I use a lot, uh, they seem condemning when you read them. Righteousness, sovereignty, wickedness, sinfulness. Um, But, I mean, aren't you glad that God doesn't bend to sin? And aren't you glad that He cares about the wrongdoings and the cruelty in this world? And of course, what distresses us most is that God decides what he cares about and not us. And that troubles us. Uh, but graciously, he deeply cares about you. You know, a problem with our society today, and, and it's, it didn't start yesterday, it's definitely a struggle that I have, is that a lot of it is about me. Very self centered. Even when I read the Bible, it's, it, it can be self centered. And. The thing is, is the Bible is not about me. It's about Christ. Now, when you, when you come to know Christ as Savior, then, yeah, the story does begin to become a little bit more about you because now you have a different life to live. You have a different standard. To, you have the Great Commission. You have all these things. But if you are an outsider looking in, the Bible is not about you. And so it's important or imperative to understand that God deeply cares about you that he sent his son out of that line of David. Now, to, re- to kind of send the story past 2 Samuel uh, 6, in 7, which is a very important chapter of the Bible, uh, we learn that there will be a, a person that is to come from the line of David, a Savior. We learn that in 2 Samuel 7. Now, realistically, if you can put yourself in the people of that time, when Solomon came and things were so good for so long, they probably thought, this is it. This is it. Um, but I think a lot of the Old Testament is and the glory of it is all the kingdoms that fail to measure up of the coming kingdom. And how it just keeps pointing to that and keeps pointing to that. Um, and, he was, and Christ was held accountable for past, present, and future sins so that we might be given the opportunity to repent. For all the times we have reached out and done things on our own standards. And I hope you understand clearly that, that God did not take kindly uh, to Uzzah's disregard for his heavenly standards. And God is not pleased with us when we disregard his heavenly standards. Which answers our question, you know, what does God have to say about the attitude that says, well, I worship God in my own way. It doesn't matter how one worships God or what you do as long as it's sincere. And that's not talking about This. That's not talking about worship styles because I'm involved in, still involved in this band and also involved in another band that's very traditional. I don't want you to think that I'm up here saying you can't raise your hands in worship. Um, this worship, how I posture my life before God is my worship. And so that's what God is talking about and he is saying that matter, that way matters. I have a standard for that. I have a set statute for that. And I showed it through you all throughout the Old Testament. I gave you the Ten Commandments, and then I gave you Christ, and He told you exactly what to do. Now, if you're like me, having all that information is not enough sometimes, which is silly. But I'll be like, I just can't do it. I can't do it. It's too much, it's too hard. It's very easy to be legalistic when you think about all the things that you have to do for the Lord. And, but, and the answer to that question in a way is, that is the starting point, which is not man and what satisfies him or us, but God and what satisfies him. And that, in my humble opinion, takes away that binding legality, takes away that burden. When you understand that God laid out everything for you because he loves you, and He does want you to have an abundant life here, but also an eternally abundant life. You understand that when we start with what satisfies God, then you want to be obedient. You want to obey. You want to strive for that heavenly standard. You want to see your children live out that heavenly standard. You want to see your spouse, your friends. You want to tell people about that heavenly standard. Um, and, you know, John Piper, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And it, it, it's hard. Um, the past four times I've preached, I have not had application points, uh, which is important. You want to you stand up and proclaim the Word of God, but you also want to give people a way to do it. So I did it this time. Application points. I never got to it. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to put to be honest with you, because I'll explain it to you how I think it makes the most sense. God has a standard. It cannot be achieved. Christ is the mediator, and through him you are sanctified towards achieving it. And that is laid out. I'm going to turn it this way because it's not just laid out in the ESV Bible, (laughs) but laid out in Scripture and so my application point and maybe another tangent is that the reason we're in this position where we don't understand God's standards or where we're crippled by God's standards is because we don't know the Bible we just don't know what it means we don't know the story when was the last time I read second Samuel before this week I do not know right I don't know and that's honest Um, I just don't know and and I'm not I tell you that so that you don't, uh, that you don't feel alone and maybe not knowing Scripture as well as you should. You know, we don't sit under it as we should, but that is not a 2019 problem. That has been an earth problem since the beginning. And so that is my application point. And that's why at the beginning I mentioned if you're thinking about coming here and you're thinking about serving here, please do it. Please consider plugging in just because you cannot do it alone. God did not call you to this faith. God did not call you to this standard. He graciously did not call you to live an incredible standard by yourself. In his ever-loving kindness, he said, I give you all the other believers to walk beside. So if you're thinking about that, please consider talking with some of the elders here or some of the other church members here and realize that you need the church body. You cannot make it without the church body. And I of all people know that. I'm a lone wolf. I don't like to share my sermon notes. I, you know, I just, I got it. Not true. <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I am daily reminded how much I need those around me that share my common faith. And second, as simple as it sounds, read your Bible. It's. Not going to change what it says, so don't get panicked like I do and feel like you have to consume it in once. It's going to be there. The words are not going to change. Thankfully, that has been decided and closed, and it says what it says in all its perfectness. But just do it. And again, I know those application <laughs> points are maybe silly or too simple, but I think it, it's it's incredibly serious that you realize that the church needs you and you need the church and the word of God is alive and that it is there for you and that God is gracious to give it to us and that the only way we will ever understand a heavenly standard is to read where it came from and to understand where it came from and understand the story of Uzzah and Ohio and David and to understand what went wrong that day and other times across the Bible where things went wrong and then where things went right um, I'm trying to avoid just being like, that's it. <laughs> but um, but in, in in all seriousness, um, if none of that makes sense to you, it may be my fault, but it may also be because you don't know about Christ and you don't know about the salvation that He has made real for you on the cross. And if that's you, I would I would deeply encourage you uh, to, to speak with some of the elders, to, to pray with them, to ask questions. Um, God is definitely calling people to him in 2019, uh, in 2020. Um, I really appreciate being able to come back here. Uh, it really means a lot to me. I, I wish I could stay, or maybe I'll come back in the future. But um, I love you guys, and um, I'm on this journey with you. So that's it. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes. If you would like to learn more about New Horizons Christian Fellowship, and if you enjoyed the music, then please visit the links in the description to learn more. Thank you for listening. And remember the service begins now.